I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to take a look at uh, the close of this chapter today together, and we're going to read congregationally um, verses 18, 19, and 20. Now, if you need a Bible, simply slip up your hand. I know Dean's ready to hand one out. Uh, anybody need a Bible? Great. Let's go ahead and stand. Uh, yes, one over there. And let's uh, take a look here. Stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at verse 18, Ephesians chapter 6. If you'd follow along, please. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to speak, sorry, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You pray with me one more time, please. Lord, it's your word, and it is eternal. It is precious. And as we open it together this morning, may you speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Yesterday we had a great day of fellowship and a work day around here at the church. Bunch of guys were here and um, spruced up the place greatly. It was very sweet fellowship and and some uh, challenging work physically. To some, there's a handful of us that you would use the word were a little sore, <laughs> moving slowly. The young guys can do the work like nobody's business, man. So uh, anyway, it was a real delight, and we're excited to just continue to open up the doors of this fellowship and see to it that we're a, you know, a, a, an open vessel to people in the community. Those of you who are watching at home, I want to be sure and acknowledge you. We're so grateful that you uh, do that, and we don't take it lightly that that is what you uh, uh, have a conviction to do, reminding each and everyone that our doors are open. You're welcome to come. But we also trust that this uh, online resource is reaching you as well as others that watch uh, in any way. This morning, we are closing our study of the book of Ephesians. If you've missed any of it, I encourage you to go back. But we are um, focusing our attention on Paul's closing words as he dealt very clearly with what it means to uh, be seated with Christ in the heavenlies, what it means to walk with Christ here on earth, and then what it means also to stand fast uh, in this faith. And that as each of us takes a stand to stand in Christ, that we have an enemy of our soul. His name is Satan, and he is the author of all lies, of all confusion. And the Apostle Paul, writing to the Christians in Ephesus and the church there, knew very well that they should have and need 
some instruction on spiritual warfare. And that we've been going through this this last couple weeks of the six various weapons of spiritual warfare. And as he closes his letter to them, he brings to them uh, this, if you would, exclamation point on the, the subject of spiritual warfare and how to stand. And that is the resource that every Christian that he's writing to and by way of the Holy Spirit, every Christian throughout the history of mankind has this same resource. And we speak, of course, of prayer. Uh, our theme this morning, prayer, our resource in warfare. And I'm just going to approach this subject. I'll bring your attention again to verse 17, when, uh, verse 18, when he says, Praying always in all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. He dictated to us in verses 13 through 17 these uh, weapons of our warfare, right? Truth around the private area of our place, uh, of our lives being girded with truth, uh, that vulnerable place around our heart, the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, our feet prepared with the gospel of peace. Verse 16, the assurity of our salvation, protecting our mind, our thinking, our thoughts with that helmet of salvation and that shield of faith that we're able to deflect or quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we think of all of these weapons of, you know, their uh, eternal efficiency, their spiritual power, and how clear it is that God gives us these weapons and that they are ours, and yet, all geared up and all suited up for spiritual warfare without a resource behind us, we would be ineffective in that battle. And so he makes it clear that there's this non-optional resource called prayer that is going to, in essence, cause each one of these weapons to be effective in the life of every Christian as they go forward through their daily walk and as they find themselves engaged in, in spiritual battles and spiritual warfare. What a subject, right? Prayer. Uh, I wrestled a little bit about what to do on this subject this morning with us here today, and yet I am prompted to to close out the study because one of the, the most effective ways to teach on prayer is for me to be quiet, put you guys in some small groups and have you pray for one another. It's the greatest teacher there is. Just get involved and do it. And so uh, I, I had thought about, well, how do we do that? Well, we need to move chairs and get groups of four. And we, we, I want to encourage you before you go today, 
or as you head home this afternoon, or before the close of this day, having touched the subject, that you grab a loved one and that you spend some time praying for one another. But I'm going to hit this from three angles. What prayer is not, what prayer is, and how we apply it in our lives. So first this morning, briefly, what prayer is not. Um, there's a statement maybe up there. Put it this way. It says, prayer is not a fruitless plea to a hypothetical deity, false or imagined God, that cannot hear nor answer mankind. Prayer is not praying to a false deity, a false God that can neither hear nor answer. You may recall in the life of the prophet Elijah, and you can look at this in your studies, of course, 1 Kings chapter 18, the people of God were vacillating between false gods and the one true God, Jehovah. They were vacillating. And they were surrounded by a community of, of non-Israeli people that, were vast, that held to the beliefs of, of all kinds of false gods. And Elijah enters that scenario, and I love this. Uh, chapter 18, verse 24 of 1 Kings, he says... Um, he asked them, how long will you falter between two gods? He says to the false prophets of Baal, he said, you call on the name of your gods, little g, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God, big G, who answers by fire, he is God. And so all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Some of you may recall this classic point in uh, Israel's history and a classic passage of scripture that the challenge to those who follow false gods was well go ahead call on him and I will call on the name of the Lord and the one who answers by fire well then that's gonna you know settle the question forever he is God and you may recall it goes on so they took the bull which was given to them, the false prophets, and they prepared it, and they called in the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. There was no answer. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And as the account goes on in verses 26, 27, 28, and so forth, Elijah kind of mocked them and he, he, he said to them, well, cry louder for uh, he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is on a journey. Perhaps, perhaps he is sleeping and you need to awaken him. So you can hear the irony in the, the prophet's voice as he's talking to those who are praying to a false God. I move that forward into our environment today because there is great confusion about prayer today and great confusion about uh, who to pray to in that world out there. 
there's a whole host of spiritualists, people that would call themselves self-spiritual, that believe they are praying to a God. Uh, having experienced or at least experimented in my own life with various spiritual uh, searches for truth and reality, uh, a small period of time into Eastern mysticism, transcendental meditation, uh, followed by other things. The fact of the matter is, is just because someone is praying, whether they take a, a position that looks like they're praying. Who are they praying to? And so prayer, biblical prayer, and I want to emphasize this, uh, Paul's reference here in Ephesians 6, verse 18, to biblical prayer is not a fruitless plea to a false or imagined God or deity that cannot hear, nor does he answer. What prayer is? Biblical prayer in spiritual warfare, and for that matter, predominantly all of a Christian's life, is three things. It is worship and praise. It is petitions, personal petitions, and it is insightful intercession. I would like to unpack those three things a little bit with us this morning. Biblical prayer, pre predominantly on our subject of warfare this morning, is these three things. Worship and praise, first of all. You remember in the Old Testament, in the, under the old economy, as the worshiper of God wanted to come into the presence of God, they could not just walk up to the altar without a sacrifice. They had to bring something that was sacrificial to them. And as they came to offer that sacrifice, there was an, an, a mediator, there was a priest there that would take their offering and offer that offering on the altar and that offering would be consumed by the fire and a lot of Old Testament passages tell us that the, the smoke from that offering would go up and it would be as incense to the Lord, a pleasing aroma to God. Old economy, Old Testament, Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, we have no need to come to a specific altar or a specific place. We have no need of a man to mediate for us each time we come to bring an offering of praise and worship. For Jesus is that mediator. He has become a mediator between God and man. And he stands before God on behalf of man and he stands before man on behalf of God. And his nail-scarred hands are the way in which our worship of God coming, desiring to encounter him, to be in his presence, to come. It's his sacrifice 
of his life that now affords us the ability to even approach the throne of God. And then our faith in his efficient blood allows us entrance behind the veil into the Holy of Holies in which we enter the, the, the presence of God. And more often than not, I know for me earlier years, I, I thought prayer was restricted to this time when maybe no one else was around me or, or I could take a position on my knees or, or you would lock hands with one other person. And, you know, we often do it around the dinner table in our home. So well, let's pray and we lock hands, we give thanks for the, that that's prayer. No, the first component of prayer is worship and praise of God as we come into his presence. You've already prayed this morning. You've entered into his presence as we stood together, as we declared his glory. So yes, prayer is worship and praise, but prayer is also, this would become, uh, you know, almost just classic, it is personal petition. Personal petitions, that is where uh, I ask of the Lord something for me. I want to bring your attention to uh, Matthew 6. Let's go there in our Bible to the left, Matthew 6. Jesus is speaking. Matthew gives us the record. Bring your attention to verse 5. The Lord's speaking. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men surely I say to you they, they have their reward but you so who's he talking to he's talking to those that have chosen to follow him now if that's you this morning then he's speaking to you and he's speaking to me and he says but you when you pray go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of, before you ask, have you ever contemplated that? God knows what you need. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. He knows what you need this morning. God knows what you need. He sees what you need. Rarely do I use my finger to point. God knows what you need in the back there. He knows what you need in the back. You here in front, he knows what you need. He sees it already. And your heart starts turning like, well, I think. I think I know what I need. 
if God knows, I know I know what I need, right? And yet God knows even greater what you need. And he sees what your need is. And so the question often comes in times of crisis. In my office counseling with those that are in this hard place, it says, well, why should I pray? If God already knows, why should I pray? I will use the illustration of parent and child here. Okay, parent and child. Uh, let's, let's do adolescent years, whatever those years are. Somewhere in there, and teen, like, I don't know, 8 to 16, 18, somewhere in there. So the, the child has needs, but the child is going to go in and out of the house doing what they want to do and never speak to their parent because they assume their parent already knows what they need and should understand what they need. And therefore, there needs to be no conversation because after all, that's my parent and they're supposed to know. In fact, they said they know. So we won't have any conversation. How healthy, A, do you think that relationship would be? B, how long do you think that would last before the child comes into the house seeking to get something that the parent has said, no, you can't have? Or the child comes into the house seeking to do something that the parent would like them to do differently. How long do you think that's going to go on? It's not going to go on very long before a a parent is going to speak up and say, excuse me, wait a minute, what are you doing? Oh, well, I was just, I, I was going uh, well, why didn't you speak to me about it? Well, because I'm assuming you already know. Yeah, but I, I, I like talking with you. I like relating with you. I want to hear, we want to hear each other's words. Is this making sense to anybody? This is our father. Yes, he already knows. But the value is in you and I deciding that he does know, he does care, and he wants in relationship with us for us to speak with him about it. Prayer. Now be reminded that prayer with God in a closed situation or in an open environment can be a two-way conversation in which the child to our Heavenly Father says, Lord, this is what I need. And he says, oh, I know. And the child says, well, then why don't you do something about it? And he says, I am. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, all things work together. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful that he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able to bear, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape. He works all, is working all things together for our good, to the good that love him, those who are called according to his purpose. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. To believe and know that he's listening, that he's hearing, That as you pour out your heart and your life, your praise and your petition to him, 
that you are engaging in prayer. Lastly, well, not lastly, so it's worship and praise is personal petition, uh, but it is also intercession. Now, what is intercession? Um, Let's look at it from the vantage point of Matthew 6 here. Look at verse 9. He says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, okay, here we go, plural, this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So as we come to this third element of of, uh, what prayer is, petition, that is, uh, I'm sorry, intercession. That is, is when we turn our attention in our conversation with God away from ourselves and to others. Let me restate that again. Intercession is simply turning the attention in prayer away from ourselves and to others. And we should take note this morning that intercession is commanded in Scripture of 1 Timothy 2.1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. It's commanded. Intercession is commanded in that environment of prayer. We are not only to be engaged in the worship and praise of God. We are not only to petition Him. We're told in uh, Luke's Gospel, uh, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Knock, and the door shall be opened. Seek, and you will find. Okay, there's that, there's that admonition by the Lord himself for us to petition God, but intercession is commanded. That is where, in prayer, we turn the attention away from ourselves and to others to pray for others, specifically. And did you know that There is someone interceding for you and me right now. Read these verses for you. Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Guess who's interceding for you and I right now? Jesus Christ. Isaiah 59, 16. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it is sustained in him. The Bible teaches us that God, the Son of God, Christ himself, is interceding for us to the Father right now. Oh my, to know that Jesus is interceding for us, how great a emphasis that intercession should be uh, true in our own lives. That we 
turn our attention in prayer away from ourselves and turn it to others. I was curious, Austin brought out this morning that on the back of that Calvary Chapel magazine, a list of missionaries and how you can pray for them. He and I hadn't talked about this uh, study this morning or the message. But you might wonder, well, how do I pray for others? I'm not sure who I'm supposed to pray for. Oh, grab a magazine. You can call their name out to the Lord. You'd be praying for missionaries all around the world. You can pray for your neighbor on your left and on your right. Get their name. Find out who they are and just start speaking their name before the throne of God, praying that God will bless them. God will call them into his, a relationship with themselves. You can, of course, pray for loved ones in your family that uh, aren't walking with the Lord, have decided to walk at a distance from the Lord, and that is intercession as well. The host of opportunities to intercede is limitless, really. One commentator wrote about this resource of prayer and its relationship to the uh, armor of God. Praying always with all prayer, uh, the idea is that all kinds of prayer or prayer upon prayer, we should use every kind of prayer we can think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, Constant prayer, fervent prayer, just pray. Isn't that, that's, I mean, talk about opening it up. It's like, no, it is not restricted to a given place or a given time. The Apostle Paul talked about praying in the Spirit. You can be praying while you're driving, while you're walking. You can be praising the Lord while you're driving, while you're walking. Just keep your eyes open, please. You can be worshiping him and entering into prayer that way, you can begin to talk with him. How, no show of hands, but I mean, how many of us today would probably say, yes, that's me, where we've had some of the greatest conversations with God driving in the car as we're going through something in life. You know, it's like we're just having this conversation. Lord, are you listening? Because I'm, I'm ready to talk. While you're walking, while you're driving while you're kneeling, while you're standing, while you're with others in group, while you're alone. Prayer is that resource. Petitioning him, worshiping him, interceding. I know in my own prayer life that one of the greatest battles I have is as I as I, I'm just going to, you know, give you my two cents here, personal look into the window of this guy, but maybe you can identify that. So I'll be worshiping, then I'll asking, and then I, and then I decide, okay, I need to intercede, or I want to intercede, and, and so now I'm going to turn my attention to, to others. And so in prayer, I start praying for others, but so often it comes back around to me. And something that's connected with me, and next thing I know, I'm still asking for me. So that takes real kind of spiritual discipline. Uh, and the Spirit of God can do that. So 
the way we, we see this as justified, or at least that's the wrong word, but uh, underscored in the Apostle Paul's life is, notice, turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 6. He's talking about prayer. And in verse 18, uh, he says, supplication for all the saints. And in verse 19, he says, and, and for me. Now, here's a beautiful reality that we see this huge spiritual giant, the Apostle Paul. He's got it nicked, right? It's, he, he understands the Christian life and is able to teach others about it. But when it comes to this subject of being prayed for and someone interceding for him, he is not too proud to say, will you pray for me? I challenge each one of you this week that you would call up a brother or sister and open up your life to them in, in a bit, in a moment, and say to them, will you pray in this way for me? Look at what Paul does. Writing a letter to the Christians in Ephesus, not a private letter, and certainly as we go through the record of humankind, it, it hasn't been private for thousands of years. Will you pray for me? He says, how does he want to be prayed for? That an utterance may be given to me. They would know how to speak. And that he may open his mouth boldly to make known what? The mystery of the gospel. Paraphrase, God help me to speak clearly to those that you bring across my life path of who you are and how you are at work in my life and how you desire to be at work in their life. And this ultimate conviction, should this not be each one of ours? None of us, you know, one of the greatest, Jesus said, was John the Baptist. But you know, we move maybe across. Let's not go up and down loud. Let's go across laterally. Then you come to the Apostle Paul. And what's he saying here? He's saying, verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains to the gospel. He is chained as an ambassador to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Christ reached down and saved him. He thought he was a religious individual and everything he did he counts as dung that he might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Spirituality and, and quasi-superficiality is to go out the window in the heart and life of every born-again Christian today. God is calling you and I to a deeper place in our walk with God. He will not be content if you stand on the outside and look in and go, well, yeah, that's okay, but I only want part of him here, part of him there. He's saying, no, I want you to be my ambassador chained to the gospel. Can I get an amen? And as you and I say amen, we're saying, so be it. As you and I are saying amen, we're saying, perhaps even so be it for me, Lord, that my life in whatever way I live would simply be a declaration that you are living your life out in me and through me. We'll wind this down and close it up with 
this closing remark that he gives in verse 21 and on. He says, but that you may also that you also may know my affairs I am going uh, and how I am doing Tychicus a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you he was willing to send somebody to inform them about how he was doing and it speaks to me that others transparency. Others should know how we're doing and we should be able to have others go on our behalf to someone else to define for them how we are doing. Verse 22, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. What a blessing that those who come to us are able to tell us how other Christians are doing and also as they share that they bring comfort to our hearts. Uh, My brother and I and our family have been greatly comforted by your love for us as we lost our mom a couple weeks ago. And it's been very real and touching to us both how you have comforted us in expressing your love. And he says in verse 23, Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Sincere, Greek word, without wax, truthfully. Do you love him sincerely this morning? The book of Ephesians is about a love affair with the Lord Jesus Christ and what will take place in the life of each one of us as we embrace that love affair by recognizing where we're seated, how we walk, how we stand, what our weapons are, and our resources. Beautiful book. Will you join me and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so good to us you are. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We bless you and we are so grateful this morning for the work of your spirit, for your kindness, for your grace, and to be reminded, Lord, that this battle in which we have been engaged, every since we became a follower of Jesus Christ, every since we were born again, that this battle will continue all of our lives and it will find its final resolve when you call us home or take us home. So may we 
take these truths that you have given us in the book of Ephesians to heart. May they become a reality for each of us today. Knowing this, that the battle really is not ours, it's the Lord's. And you've commanded us to stand still and see the salvation of our God. And so, Lord, standing still is hard. Because sometimes we want to see you work immediately. And though we know you're at work, sometimes we can't see it with our eyes. We long to, Lord, and we ask you today to remind us that the battle is yours, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and we'll close.